You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Ben, you, you had a question for us. Yes, my question, uh, first of all, hi, how are you, Rob? How are you, Alan? Lovely to see both of you. So good to see you again. Really good to see you. Uh, and then my, my question was, what is what is this? What what are we? What happens here is my question, kind of. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's hard. It's hard to articulate, really. Uh-huh. Um, here's what's great. We have a Harvard, edu- I have a Harvard-educated partner. Okay. So whenever a question is above my intellect, I just turn to the smart guy alan what are we do what are we doing here what is this i mean i my degree was in biology it, it has no bears no relevance to anything i've done in my life the last 20 years <laughs> it truly has no that's no, crazy you have a biology no major that was what you that's what you graduated with that's right you can tell my work right right yeah Towards of course this is, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is the same stuff uh well the answer is uh we uh, start talking about an episode of Parks and Rec, and then we inevitably derail to something totally unrelated, and then uh, ah, shoot, shoot the shit with our friends. Perfect. So perfect. I think you could do that. You think you could do that? Yeah, this sounds fantastic. Actually, yeah. I'm loving the tapestry behind you. By this the way. is so. This, this is, is what you guys are seeing right now. You're seeing a little bit behind the music. This is where I record <laughs> all my voiceover for my animated movies and shows. Wow. Oh, so man. I built this in my little uh, in my closet, and so this is like this is supposed to be the soundproofness behind me. There's a carpet here (laughs) that's what i that's what i talk into this is this where sonic was recorded both sonic Sonic is too uh they wouldn't let me do the sonic here but (laughs) (laughs) ducktales and teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and all the adr for anything during COVID happened here sonic they come in and and put in a a, a higher quality blanket behind (laughs) you yeah yeah. (laughs) i have to go to jim carrey's house for sonic (laughs) yeah exactly i don't know man I, i feel like i just i feel like i'm looking at abbey road I think I'm looking at where the <laughs> real magic happens. I mean, you kind of, you're, you're, this is, I think, Rob, you know that this is exactly like Abbey Road. Yes. I, I, yeah, I would say there's as much audio history in that room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's certainly more thing. relevant at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk about the episode, Rob? Do you want to do a welcome at all? Yeah, I mean, wh- I mean who knows? Listen, who knows? Listen, welcome, everybody. Uh, we, we, we're already getting down here. Uh, you know, today is... A big day. We have Ben Schwartz with us, the legendary 
John Ralphio. I mean, wow. need I say more? I know I don't have to. Um, and uh, we have a great episode we're, we're talking about today. It's going to be, it's called Woman of the Year. And it was episode 17 of season two, which aired on March 4th, 2010, was written by Norm Hiscock and directed by Jason Wallenier. Right? That's right. Canadian legend, Norm Hiscock. Kids in the Hall. He's He also Saturday Night Live and King of the Hill, and he worked with Greg on a billion. He's uh, helped showrun uh, the show I'm currently on called Space Force with Greg. This year, he came on. Oh, wow. That's right. He was He's amazing. He's one of my favorites, man. He's one of my favorites. Huge story guy. Very sweet guy, too. He's got that the sweet- The nicest person <laughs> in the world. And Jason Wallner is an incredible director. This is a good yes, episode. Natalie Attire, Jason Wallner, directed the Borat sequel. Um, yeah, he, he, he wears a suit on set because he looks so young that people think he's a production assistant. So he told me very early on when I started directing, I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, I like to wear a suit because people think I'm too young to direct. So I wear a suit to set. So I was like, okay, that's is good that advice. you got the suit idea, Alan? Really? No. I was wearing that kind of before, so you know what? Jason doesn't get total credit for yeah. that, but yeah, that's but I, that's that's when I was used to, used to wear a, what Polar would call soft blazers all the time. Yeah, a lot that's of soft a good blazer for it. A soft a of, blazer, a kind <laughs> yeah. a kind jacket. Yes, it's just like it's, it's not too structured. Well, let me go through the episode synopsis and then we could chat freely. I'm because otherwise, to know people if, if Ben, if how much of this you remember, so get ready. Well, this I is... didn't know what this was, Rob, and oh, I, I, I should have I should have contacted either of you. So uh, when I saw what the title of the episode was. I was like, oh, I haven't seen these episodes in <laughs> since they've aired. This is great. So it's went, perfect. I watched this one literally 10 minutes ago, finished it 10 minutes ago, so I know exactly what it's about. Oh, it's but very fresh. But could never oh. in 100 years have told you what it was until then. But now everything is like, I it's remember really everything. Fresh. Well, there we go. So, so here's the synopsis. Uh, very exciting. Most exciting part of the show. The Parks Department receives a letter from the Indiana Organization Women. Much to Leslie's horror, the award she's been waiting for has gone to Ron in recognition of town projects Leslie primarily developed. Ron privately acknowledges the award as a ridiculous mistake. However, he uses the opportunity to mess with Leslie before recommending her as the award recipient later. It's revealed that a man was strategically chosen for the first time for marketing purposes. Frustrated with the politics of the awards, Ron publicly presents the award to Leslie, who tries to present it instead to Ron, who proceeds to present it back to Leslie. The next day's newspaper proclaims Ron the winner with Leslie and Ron, with Leslie and Ron later deciding that the award is meaningless anyway. The plaque is thrown into a wastebasket where Leslie later secretly retrieves it. In a subplot, I love this phrase, in a subplot, that we, we don't use that that often. In a subplot, a B story, Tom drops off a temporary liquor license renewal at the Snake Hole Lounge nightclub where the owner, Freddie, tells him they're seeking investors who can buy a share for $10,000. Tom reveals part ownership in a nightclub is a longtime dream of his and seeks partnership from his fast-talking friend, the legend, Jean Ralphio, played by Ben Schwartz who contributes, but Tom is still in need of one more thousand dollars to seal the deal. Tom seeks further help from his co-workers. Donna expresses an interest, but decides against it when she meets Jean Raffio and hates his guts. Meanwhile, when Andy's bandmate Burley tells Andy he can no longer live with him, April helps Andy look for an apartment. They find one near her house, prompting a smitten April to note that they can carpool to work together, but... When Andy learns Tom needs $1,000, he forgoes the apartment and gives Tom the money. In the episode's final scene, Tom is shown enjoying his nightclub part ownership until he learns Donna has bought three shares herself. That's the tag. We even did the tag in the synopsis. Jesus. That's the episode. The episode's over now. The, the podcast episode's over now. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed it <laughs> as much as we all did. Parks and Recollection is produced. 
Rob, I don't know if you were in the show yet for this one, were you? No, and that's and that's what's been really fun for me actually is to um do these episodes leading up to my appearance in Parks and Rec and because I'm really just an audience member. I mean, I have no dog in the fight. I wasn't there, didn't know anything about it. So I get to comment on on the episodes as just as a fan. And it's super, super fun. And and also watching these episodes, I get to go, oh, that's where that had its, you know, origin. Right. I wanted to ask Ben while we have him. Oh, what? yeah, because I'm heading out in like two minutes. <laughs> I mean, after the synopsis, we've got about one minute left in the episode. Uh, like, I don't know. I want to talk to you about like how, <laughs> what you were doing when you started doing this well, character. I'll put it what, what you were thinking. thinking. <laughs> yeah, what, what was, <laughs> because I know the lines were crazy. Like, Harris Whittles wrote a lot of the lines. I remember we were writing all this, this shit kind of as a room, but, but we were excited about casting you. We always wanted to cast you. When you came to everyone like reading the lines, like what was going through your mind building this character? The well, I'll tell you the way that I got it was that I had a meeting with Katie Dippold. Oh no, I had these shorts that I did for ESPN where I interviewed athletes a long time ago, and Mike Schur saw it, and then he had a meeting with me, Harris Whittles, and Katie Dippold when Katie was still on the staff, and he said, "Hey," and they were interviewing me about the role of um, Amy's police boyfriend do you remember that yeah. role yes and yes. so officer dave yes officer dave and so we did it we had a good time they're like you're just too young for this but th- i remember what mike said he goes think about the show like the simpsons you know there's all these different characters that you know are around the town and we'll get to meet so hopefully someone will pop up and then i and then <laughs> the behind the scenes part of this is that someone had emailed my agent being like hey we have this role for ben if he's interested in and nobody ever told me and then the assistant at the desk passed on the role for me without even telling me that it came through which is like the scariest thing in the world because this role ended up being such a huge deal for me and then i didn't even know about it and then katie dippled emailed me she's like oh i'm so bummed you're not joining us i was like what are you talking about joining you for what she goes parks we just found out you passed i go what are you crazy whatever it is i'll do it nobody ever told me and so they said oh, okay and then i emailed uh and i guess someone was like subbing in at a desk for a day and made a mistake somehow and then I just, I literally told Katie, I was like, I don't even care what it is, do whatever it is, whatever it is, I'll do it, of course. And she's like, okay, great. And so then um, I went in and the first time I kind of read it in front of anybody was when I did that first scene, the interview with me and uh, Ron Swanson. And uh, I did it once in rehearsal and then Mike Schur came up to me in, in my ear and says, you'll be coming back. And then he like <laughs> ran up to the writer's room to write the next episode. <laughs> and it was and like start- the best feeling in the world. A legend was born. But no, I, I remember that story distinctly and it drove me wild to Wait, think do you about remember, it do you know that someone passed on me yes because what? because we later talked about it and because you became such a huge part of the show and we were like saying oh my god this is why actors get so paranoid about stuff because if we didn't happen to know you because you know obviously you knew you knew katie and harris and like i think we had met already and, and you know you, you were around ucb we all were friendly with you but if we hadn't known you and we're on an email text basis with you etc like you would never have known. We offered oh, you. We straight offered you the part, dude. <laughs> I would love to. So, so I've never heard your side of the story at all. But what was said? Like I didn't know anything. All I know is when Katie emailed me, I would love to find out. Because and have I told that? I've still told the story maybe once in my life because I'm afraid of embarrassing whoever did it. Yeah, but, no, but whoever it, well, did, no, I'm you sure should murder whoever did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all we're talking about, but but we were. We so were what happened like, on wait, your what? side? You guys offered me the role. You guys knew you were going out to me, and then what did you hear yes. back? 
we offered her, we offered you the role. This was one of the two weirdest moments in Park's history in casting, I think, was offering you the role and then knowing again that you were excited about the role, you'd already met with us, you were friendly with us. And yeah, I told Mike it, I'd do whatever he wants. Exactly. And then it's like, I remember, I don't know if it was Mike or somebody, but someone came back to the room and was like, yeah, Ben Schwartz passed on this role. And we were like, what? <laughs> we, we couldn't, like, it's not like we couldn't believe it because like, oh, maybe he has another show or something. But, but we, all, we all were like, we should reach out to him and just see what's going on because it, it's possible. We just wanted to preserve the scintilla of a hope that there was possible there was a miscommunication. And that's what it was. And it was like, you appeared in how many episodes? 20, 30, 40, yeah. who knows how many episodes? Isn't it's that like, it was literally crazy. that email, right? It that's was like, like Rob, yeah. is that not the actor's nightmare? I, That's I'm, the nightmare. My blood is boiling. L- <laughs> literally, my blood is boiling right now. <laughs> and, By the way, I said that was that was one of the two weirdest moments in casting history. The second was when we straight offered Werner Herzog to play a part in Parks, and he immediately accepted. So that was the two. Those were the two. What? The two ends of the spectrum. That's right. I, Mike walking back in the room and said, "Werner Herzog's in." We're like, "What?" He said, we offered to him almost as a joke because we knew he would pass. He said yes. Schwartz said no originally. I so. can't believe <laughs> that, and I can't believe someone passed on my behalf without telling me I was offered the role. It yeah. was such an insane thing that I never really talked about it because I was like, "Wait, this can't yeah. this can't happen." I assumed that it was the assistant that was covering the desk that said something. I don't know what. And oh, by the way, I don't think I was attached to a show, and even if I was, it was a guest star, so I could have done it. So yeah. it was all very, it made me very sad. And then I'm, I hate confrontation, so I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, your career ended up being great, so it didn't yeah, matter. It didn't but, matter. But still, Thank God it yeah, happened. It didn't matter. But. but you're right. If I didn't know you guys, I never would have gotten the email being like, are you sure? I'm like, are you sure about what? You passed. Yeah, like, that's passed right. on what? I don't even, what are you talking about? Of course, whatever it is, I'm in. And she's yes. like, oh, great. And that was it. it was- and then I came to work like two days later. I mean, we're all lucky that it happened because it was, a, to me, it was a unique matching of actor to character that is almost irreproducible. But I have a question right? for you it's guys because like, I wasn't you know, there for the cooking up of yeah. all of it. Like yeah. how, and you can see it in the, these two episodes you've been in now so far. The first one, the hair is not there yet. <laughs> There's, the hair the hair has not arrived. It will be arriving. Um, and I know, and I when we talked about the first episode, uh, which Katie wrote, the when we had Katie on the show and she was great, um, you hadn't discovered your John Ralphiel signature singing of dialogue yet. That makes its appearance in this episode and made me super happy because I well felt like done, Rob. John, he is he has arrived. Can I tell you also the first time I met Rob was we it was on set and obviously I'm sure everybody says something come on but like I've seen Rob my entire life Rob is a part of cinema history when if you're someone my age you've watched Rob literally your whole life growing up and he's always like he's always an incredible actor but also the you know handsome and lovely and amazing and so Thank I you. met him and there's a little bit of nerves when you meet someone like that because when you see them you see the version of them from movies instead of like them as a human and Rob I, there's no way you remember but. Uh, it was a couple episodes in from whatever, and I met him, and I go, "Hey, man, I'm I'm such a big fan." He goes, "Oh my god, my kids love you." <laughs> and I was <laughs> wow. like, "Wow!" I said, "Really?" He goes, "They they your character on the show is yep. one of their favorites. They yep. go crazy." And it made me it like 
any anxiety I had kind of went away because I feel like I already got approval from someone in that family. So like, and it was very relaxing and it, it gave me confidence to like go even crazier. Cause like, if you watch John Ralphio at the beginning, he's kind of like douchey and then slowly, he like slowly becomes a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like me trying out riskier things and crazier things and Mike being like, sure. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, uh, yeah, but that sing songy part, Rob was, in, in that episode, it said the dialogue, and then in brackets, it said sing-songy. So, there's does, no, like, so it did say it in the writing. That's so interesting. It just says mm. sing-songy, and then I kind of like decided what that meant, meant, and then it went well, and then all of a sudden, every script had a, had a sing-songy <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, we, we took that ball and ran with it. This one's, I am flush with cash. <laughs> Which is the one, if I ever go to bars, that's the one I hear more than is anything. Is that the one? Oh, oh man. Flush with cash, and um, I got run over by Lexus, I hear a lot. <laughs> got run over by Lexus? I got run that's over got by a Lexus. real catch to oh, it. Technically, I'm homeless. Technically, I'm homeless is a big one. I'm Wait, homeless. so when you guys wrote the character, this is amazing for me, because I've never asked it. I never learned anything about my character. What was the, how did you guys, how did it even form? And then how deep into it were you guys like, oh, Ben should play that? There were a couple things. First this of all, this is exciting we, for like, me, Alan. I never got to, I don't know you're in this. I, yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about it. it it's, it's, it, it all is sort of building on itself, right? So it's like at the, at the beginning, it was like, well, it's nice for, it would be nice for Tom to have like a friend, right? Like literally to start like, okay, he, he, he brings this guy in in that interview episode where Ron is entering, interviewing for assistance. He ends up hiring April. But having written that scene, so basically Katie was saying, we wrote a scene for this Jean Ralphio character, the character that would be known as Jean Ralphio. It was a side pod with Katie Dippold and Harris Whittles, who were friends of yours and you know, it was a uh, kind of this like they, they went off and, and started writing this one scene and obviously came back to the room after that. But I do believe and Katie sa- puts it this way. Harris was like, hold on a second, took over the keyboard, started typing words. And she said, like, the beautiful mind music played. <laughs> and it was like, he was like, just let me like it was as if he was possessed by the the spirit of this character, John Ralphio, and started writing all of this nonsense, which, you know, Harris is so good. You, you know, he was so good at writing just really sort of fucking whimsical, you know, like fun, funny jokes, just pure comedy. And the other aspect from the sort of the story structure character world building side was one thing that we've talked about, which is you have Tom, who's this kind of silly character. And like, in a lot of ways, he's, he's very selfish and very superficial. But what if, what if, as in Frasier, you know, in Frasier, he's kind of like, you know, urbane and a little bit of feet. And he has a brother who's more so. He has Niles. So what if Tom had a Niles who was more selfish and more superficial and more of an idiot than Tom? you might like Tom by comparison. So we, we basically like put all those ingredients into the blender. And then like you were saying, you can see it in these early episodes, it's already funny, right? Those lines are funny. You're doing a great job. But then almost like a Pokemon evolving, like a Pikachu <laughs> evolving into a Raichu. You'll see later episodes of John Ralph. By the end, you're wearing like fluorescent pink. You're wearing two ankle bracelets. Your hair is six feet tall. It's really, it's so, so this was the beginning, but those were kind of the ingredients, right? I love hearing that. There was a, there was a beat later on when we were really going for it where Mike Schur said, hey, I don't, I think you should just pop up. You should never enter a room. You should just pop up <laughs> out of nowhere. And yeah. I'm sure there, I think there's a scene with Rob and Nick where I literally just pop up from from behind in between both of you guys it's later on yep and i remember just st- like like this sitting and then uh they'd say actually i'd wait for you guys to say your lines and i'd literally just pop up and then 
in the real human version, it would have to be that neither Rob nor Nick looked, but like down for like that whole thirty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I was just yeah, waiting yeah. for the perfect time to pop up and say something. That's the stuff yeah. that I that we've discovered in going through the sh- the show because I, I just love that no one did that reality check on that. Like that, Mike's into no, no pop up and nobody. Wait a minute, so boy, if he pops up, what are we saying? We're saying what he was sitting here and they didn't <laughs> right, see right, him right. and well, that wouldn't Who be cares? real. It's yes. like just be just be funny. We started really, you know, look the the Saperstein family. <laughs> everyone involved with John Rialfio and Mona Lisa and, and of course Henry Winkler as well like we kind of were like you know what we, we're we're real enough with a lot of the show this stuff is gonna be funny this one is just gonna be funny and we also like season one uh, Greg Daniels always come in and be like you know in the office it's like we always do small real relatable comedy right <laughs> just grounded like really great. and then later on in seasons where literally people are appearing out of nowhere we'd be like remember small real relatable this is a documentary about a small town government in midwestern Indiana right it's like this and then it was like yeah something really wild happening Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Now, Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved, which is awesome. And they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So, so good. I love this stuff. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore to help you crush your wellness goals. And let me tell you what I crush they have a smoky bacon and cheddar egg bite that is. Mm, 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 good. Mm. I tried their shakes also, and they were so good. Oh, I'm a Factor fan. Head to factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 and use code parksandrex50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code parksandrex50 at factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. That is so true, Greg. LinkedIn knows that as a small business owner, you don't have the time or the resources to spend countless hours looking for the right person for the job. So they have launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And it isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. In fact, get this, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Wow, that, that, that's impressive. That's amazing. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash parks. That's linkedin.com slash parks to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I'm obsessed with hair, men's hair. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm very obsessed with men's hair. <laughs> really? Pe- yeah, oh, yes. I, I could do a podcast about that. Who's I your really top could. person? Who's your person? Like, this is, if I could have anybody's hair, it would be this human being. Mm, boy. Yeah, it might take some time. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't mean to be a dick, but really the way it works is I'm more worried about hair that I don't want. Oh, very Ooh. interesting. Yeah. It's juicier. Yeah. And, there, and I look... I look at people who like, I want to go, you're l- losing your hair and you're mm. in the business. 
Rob was just like, fix it. Fix it, man. <laughs> fix you're, it. you're on camera. Fix get the get fix them it. plugs. Get them plugs. Well, I remember <laughs> when I came to LA for the first time. Uh, so when I was in New York, I would get, you know, like shitty haircuts. Then when I came to LA, I didn't have someone to cut my hair. There wasn't anybody to cut my hair because I didn't know anybody in LA yet. And I was auditioning and auditioning and I got um, a role for a Mitch Hurwitz pilot. Mitch Hurwitz is pilot after arrested. And it was me, Richard Dreyfus, and Mary Steenburgen, Jason Biggs. And it was going to be this great thing. Um, and I go, I am so sorry my hair looks like this. I will get it cut the second we film. And he goes, oh, no, you will not. And I go, I'm sorry. He goes, you will not cut that hair. And I said, oh. He goes, that's like, it's a great character trait for your thing. So I said, okay. And then I started noticing only when I came to LA and had a lot of hair that men would come up to me and be like, whoa, man, look at that, dude. That's incredible. And like men would be so interested in the the... Like the hair, it's a big thing in LA, I guess. Uh, um, hair I, in New York, nobody cared. Because you're all wearing berets and pork pie hats. Oh, that's true. We're all like holding baguettes <laughs> and wearing berets. Exactly yeah. right. But no, but your hair. But I could that you answered my question because my thing was like, how does he work? Other than as crazy John Ralphio, if his hair is 17 feet tall, it's <laughs> your real hair. It is my real hair. It's never not my hair. And they they like made it bigger. The second we realized that they liked they liked um it being big, then anytime I went in, we were like, let's do something insane with it. So I, oftentimes when I did this show, I was doing a different show at the same time. It was like either Undercovers or House of Lies. Mm -hmm. And if I knew I was filming this, I just would like not cut my hair for as long as I could before filming. And then afterwards, I let the other show cut it. But it was it became like a fun thing where like the hair team, which was amazing. I was like, do whatever you want. And they would just go crazy. So each one would be like a different <laughs> style. It was yes. great. It, I remember it was always disappointing when he had to shoot another show right before. So I was like, ah, it's not that long today. I know, <laughs> we can only do so I much. Agree. It's like JJ Abrams needed him today. <laughs> he, know, he needed to cut it. When does, does uh, Mona Lisa make her first appearance? That's oh, not yeah. for a while, for a right? while, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it was just me for a while. And then I, th I don't know where the idea came with what happens if John. I mean, the idea that already it's like. Uh, what you're saying, like Tom has someone that's you know a little bit crazier than he is. Like, when does the, when did the idea in the writing room be like? But what if this person had a family? <laughs> yes, that that's uh, Greg Levine is saying. Uh, season five, episode sixteen. Yeah, that's uh, that is a, that is deep into the show. That's that's, that's beyond the point where like this needs to any 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 resemblance to reality. <laughs> we're like, yeah, mm -hmm. fuck it. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Because I have to tell you, as I've been uh, prepping these episodes uh, with Schulte, I've been going through. Uh, old scripts and old files on my computer. And I thought it'd be so fun to go through the script, the shooting draft of the script to see what was intended, what was written, and then what Ben came up with on set. Um, and so there's this one moment, it's around five minutes into the episode. It's when John Ralphio arrives at the Parks Department. Tom says, hey, and in the episode, as it airs, uh, Jean Ralphio's line is, Big T, what it do, nephew? Sorry, Ben, I'm not as good as you. Uh, <laughs> In, in the script, John Raphael calls Tom Teabag, <laughs> which is great. Uh, and then it says they do a hip-hop handshake hug, which is so funny to me that the hip-hop handshake hug action line is what turned into that amazing just brushing each other's shoulders moment between Tom and John Raphael. Yeah, I, and this is an example of when you have funny actors, and of course, we're talking about Aziz and Ben Schwartz, two of the funniest guys in the world, like, yep. you Ooh, have that sort of ability to just let them go and let them improv, and this was, you know, in, in the in the run of the show, we, we had loosened up to that point where people would riff and, and, and totally make up different nicknames, and so, yeah, Teabag is fine, 
but then it was more fun for him to say, Big T, what to do, nephew? And this, and this is kind of the beginning of him running his mouth and just being a motor mouth and just saying too many lines and fitting stuff in and rhyming and all that stuff, singing. And when you allow your actors to get that freedom on stage, it it, it really just improves the show. Yeah. Do you remember when um, I you made that really sweet birthday video for my son? I had I had you. Oh, yeah. I had you um, make a break. Like I said, they love John Ralphio. They're they're so excited that we're talking again today. They're grown men now. But um, <laughs> like the, the single best thing I could have gotten them, I did. And that was a. Uh, I was I filmed me on the set going, "Hey John Owen, it's your dad and I just this is a birthday video. I just want to say how much I love you." And I went on for I went on for like 30 seconds and then sure up boing from below the frame. <laughs> ah, John John Ralphio. Was I dressed as I was probably dressed oh, as yeah. John Ralphio yeah, too. Yeah, no, oh, was. I, we were doing I do remember. I do remember doing that. It was the first episode that uh, Mona Lisa was in, which she also exp- I think boing into the frame as well. I hope so. I mean, that's a perfect phrase for what we do into the frame. We straight up <laughs> boing into the frame. Um, and, and then, of course, you you get the amazing opportunity to have Henry Winkler as your father. And I mean, un- it's the best. It's isn't it? Isn't it the best? Oh, it's the coolest thing in the world. And also, it's like I remember I went there. First of all, it's the Fonz, man. The Fonz. It's like it's crazy. It's the Fonz. I remember telling my parents. My parents like flipped out. And so I went to set, I met him and I had back pain and I was like, yeah, I hurt my back. And he's like, where does it hurt? And he's like, here. And he like cracked my back and made it feel better. And I was like, are you kidding me? Just like the jukebox, how he like hits the jukebox. Yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. I was gonna say. He basically did that to you. Yeah. He jukeboxed your back. Yeah. He jukeboxed your back. It was incredible. And I remember being, and then we were, I, there's a great, uh, him and I became like friends and I love him still. We talk still. And I remember we were walking through uh, Radford and a person came up to him and goes, I'm so sorry, Henry. I hate to interrupt you. Nicest guy in the world, by the way. He's truly the nicest person in the world he goes i'm so sorry henry but i came to one of your happy day shows um it was this season and it meant and he and he goes and you said and you talked to me that day and he goes stop i remember you were great we had a conversation about and he remembered it and the guy almost like cried he's like really he's like yes i hope your family's doing well and like this he gave this guy such an incredible experience and he was like so happy and thankful and um, but he was the best. And for me to improvise around him, because Parks let me really kind of go nuts, was very exciting because he wasn't quite as used to people going way off script like that. And he found it very exciting and like he didn't quite know. It was like very, very, very fun. <laughs> he was like a little kid. He, he was the yeah, best. Because I got to do a lot of work with the three of you, I'm remembering. And this is way, episodes way in advance. Yeah. But, and, and he is the nice, he without a doubt might be the nicest man in show business. He truly is. There's a scene where it was you and Rashida and me and him, and I was, we were like dressed in the same pajamas. I remember that really uh, well. <laughs> yeah, there's then, a notion, there's a not so subtle notion that you guys might sleep in the same bed. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm downloading pornography or something yeah. like that by mistake. Or That's exactly the scene. Rob, can I ask you a question? Am I allowed to do that on this podcast? You remember how I asked what this podcast is? Is this part of the podcast? Yeah, it's all part of okay. the podcast. Um, well, you came from something like West Wing where you had to be word perfect, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're, you can't say, and tell me if this is wrong because this is just lore from talking to Schiff, but yep. you can't say I'm. If it's I am, you have to say I am, correct? Absolutely. If you That's... say ah and it's um, then you're going again. Really? <laughs> yep. 
Like, do they stop halfway through the line and say, no, 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 stop? Or they wait to the scene? No, they wait, to the, they, they wait till the scene is done. And then someone comes up with every, everything circled in ink that you said wrong. This would be. That was what they have someone whose sole job, sole job is to do that. I mean, it's making me anxious even talking to you about it. Because then I would just be worrying about memorizing the words as opposed to what I'm saying. But okay, so my question, I, w- I have a bunch of questions about Western, but I'll ask you later. Uh, my question is going from a show like that to a show like this, where there is leniency, we always do the words, always do the words, but there is leniency afterwards and there's leniency within the words. What's in, ex- is, is the experience, is one more exciting for you? Is one like, one fit you better? It, it, what is your experience going from one to the other? Because those are pretty big extremes. Yeah, I, well, it, and that's the fun of it is, and that's what, what, you always are trying to figure out what is this, what satisfies you in your job, right? And mm-hmm. for me, that's the satisfaction is is to be able to have both of those experiences because they are so diametrically opposed, and to feel like you can be facile and do both. I I um I remember talking to um I feel like it was Jason Bateman, and he was potentially going to do the newsroom. And he asked me, he said, I heard Aaron Sorkin is like, letter perfect. And by the way, Aaron had won the Academy Award that night. This is the after party. <laughs> and, and I go, yeah, no, you, you have to do exactly as it's written. He goes, well, but what about like, if, you know, if you had a, your own take on it or you felt like, I was like, nope. He goes, yeah, no, no, I understand. But what about if you felt like you had something of your own experience or maybe it didn't fit in your mouth and you, you've wanted I was like, nope. And he said, well, I don't know if I could do that. I go, look, you have to be, you have to take pleasure in execution. Like you have to get off on running the perfect route as a receiver. Oh, you wow. run that route and the more succinct and perfect, you don't make your route up. You don't go out and get open. You know, it's like just we're just playground. I'm gonna go and you go, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's not it. It's you're gonna. It's a button hook. It's five step drop. It's a, and it's it's all timing plays. And you have to be able. One of those people that gets off on that, and and who understands that there's a beauty in it. And then the other part of it is, it's one thing to have to be letter perfect for a hack, and it's another thing to be letter perfect to a genius. You know, Sorkin, by the way, has his fingerprints all over this episode, not just this podcast episode. Rashida is not in this episode. Because she was filming with Social Network. Aaron oh, Sorkin. Wow. With Sorkin. Yeah, with Sorkin. The Sorkin Fincher joint. So that's why she's not in this one, which is wild to think about. Like, that, it was like, is oh, yeah, crazy. That, that was concurrent, man. That was concurrent. What about movements, Rob? Were you allowed to move? Or they had they told you exactly where to be for every single line? Like, could, no, did no, you have to he, he, there, was, there was none of that. The, he didn't, um, <laughs> Aaron, and the, they, they're not that. It's like so, like, so in this thing, I think you should walk up to the window when you say there's none of right. that. Um that you know, Aaron, and by the way, it, there's. I don't want this to be interpreted that somehow Aaron and people who work like Aaron, he's not alone. David Mamet's the same way. Neil Simon sure. was the same way. Sure, P- people who come from the theater traditionally are more like that. Um, it, they love actors and they want inspiration from actors, but the words are the words, and mm-hmm. you are there to service the words. And so to come to Parks, where you know you like you say we always did the script. We didn't make this up. These are Alan Yang and all these amazing writers. The scripts Mike are and, amazing. They were amazing. There's no need amazing. to improve them. Zero need to improve them. Mm-hmm. But we had the opportunity to do that, and it was and that was celebrated. And and for me, it just felt so freeing and just so much fun. I I loved I loved doing both. But the other I can only do with people who are absolutely brilliant writers. Right. And by the way, brilliant actors as well. 
that show obviously is, you know, one of the best shows of all time, but it's like, if you don't have a shift and all the people that you guys had were the best actors in the universe. And we had people um, come in who are great actors, some of whom who've won Academy Awards and just got steamrolled by the West Wing ugh. experience. They just Makes could. me very anxious. They just Makes <laughs> for an incredible product. Makes for an incredible product and a great show. So oh, whatever. thank you. Anyway, Parks and Rec. Sorry, so I always <laughs> yeah, wanted to know. I never got to talk to Rob about West Wing, so it's very exciting. No, I like that, man. But, but Ben, you know that... Um, that uh, that uh, Mike Sure will tell you that Parks and Rec is the comedy version of The West Wing. Like, if the drama takes place in The West Wing, then where would the comedy take place? Well, in the Parks and Rec department. Yes, I remember hearing that. Yeah. They're sort of cousins in that way. Right. Instead of the nuclear codes or whatever, it's like there's a possum on a golf <laughs> that's course. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's like, right. Exactly. So like, that, that's, that's what you're doing. I do remember when we were doing Parks, one of the biggest things I would tell people is that it's like, we have like a Hall of Fame writing staff. And I, I oftentimes, just because I, I write as well, it's like you think about the staffs that you have. For Parks, it's like Alan and Harris and Norm and Dippled and Chelsea Peretti. And it's like there's so many incredible human beings that were on the staff that it's like, it's crazy. It's like an all-star team. It's like the, you know, it's like the men's Olympic team from 92, Alan. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, we, not, no Chris Middleton, but yeah. Uh, no, it, I, I look back and it's the same thing, right? I look back, it's like, oh my God, like, Nor like look, Norm is running Space Force and Norm was on this show, right? Like you were saying, Dan Gore was on this show. Like all these people who became showrunners, became huge movie writers, they're all here. And and I, I think I think this episode is like, you know, you watch it back and it just totally holds up story-wise. Like, it's so there's, good. There's, there's a thing we were talking about, like, you know, the joke around comedy writers like, oh, are you a joke person or a story person? And Norm was always a story person in the room because like he just had an impeccable sense of, and this is really, this is, this is not trivial. It's hard to do. To have that compass of when a story works and to figure out if the characters are behaving in character and if the ending is satisfying and all that stuff. And that this episode's really like that. Because in that talking head that starts this episode with Ron saying, you know, like, he immediately says, I don't care about this award. Like, I know I won this and it's dumb. And, like, I'm just going to let her kind of dangle in the wind because right. Leslie cares about awards too much. That's the whole episode. So yeah, you get that right. in minute two and you understand what's happening and you don't, you're not mad at either party. You understand that Leslie's being silly and you understand that Ron loves her ultimately and is going to do the right thing. And that sets up all the comedy. And then I was, I was, I was admiring the twists and turns. Let too. me ask you a it's question because like, you, you know, all you, that stuff. Yeah. You were talking about the first thing that, that I, wrote in my notes it because it's very very it's a very specific uh thing to immediately reveal to the uh, let the audience in on what the plan is there's there are a lot of versions where you don't until the end and then you're like oh my god oh or maybe you do it in the middle so you kind of have the best of both worlds maybe but the the that you guys um forfeited the that reveal was clearly specific and my guess was it was we, we're just worried that unless the audience knows immediately why ron's doing it they're not going to like him is that was that yes. the thinking it, yes there were believe me tons of arguments in the writer's rooms writer's room but it was like uh if you don't know the truth you, ron's just acting like a dick and you're like oh i don't i don't know why he's doing that and because he could part of the comedy is him taking glee in it right part of the comedy is him sort of smiling like the like a, a cat who ate a canary right. right that that nick offerman smile and so i think what ended up being you know why we were okay with it was there were a couple twists later on in the episode right the lady from the organization comes in that's a twist and mm -hmm. then when he's up there at the podium 
again, it's another twist because Ron just gives the award to Leslie. So that's another twist. There's an incredible beat in that. And I think that the idea that you sell it early, you tell the audience what they're in on early allows you for a beat of like when Swanson gets his photo taken, which as a character, he never would do that. And if you didn't warn the audience beforehand, they'd be like, what is going on? Yes. But instead, you're so excited. And he's like this. <laughs> I mean, I just watched this episode 10 minutes ago. He's like, and should I should I hold on to the pot? And it's like you relish knowing that he is really a good guy and just messing with her in the time. One thing I want to talk about is because this the theme of this is awards and the theme of this that is hammered and hammered and hammered some more is the words don't mean anything. Um, and I love the, t- the and I love the uh, the uh, the and I'm going to start using this. I'm not really into institutional gratification. That that is fucking institutional gratification is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard of. I've never heard it used as a euphemism for ridiculous awards, but I'm going to start co-opting the phrase. But I do seem to remember many times that the show was not nominated. And I'll do you one better that Amy Poehler never, sometimes just never was nominated. Just not nominated. You're like, okay, so there's seven leading ladies in comedy better than Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. Really? Is that true? Really? Did she not get nominated? Oh, every year? yeah. There were years where she didn't get nominated. Definitely years where she didn't even get nominated. She definitely never won, but but absolutely. That's insane. Yeah. Is that yes. true? Yes. Do you guys remember this? Uh, at a certain point, I think Polar and Ham, John Ham, hosted a party that was like Emmy losers party because they would lose the Emmy every year. That like it was just like a fun like you would you like it was just like a fun thing they were joking Did about. Did the show Ham, get Ham nominated, Alan, or no? The show only started getting nominated later on in the run. So I do remember going season, God, I want to say three or four, it, it started getting nominated. Never won, but, um, and never got nominated like frequently, right? It was never like a, a sweep, but the show started getting nominated later in the run. I remember, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I remember people would ask me uh, like, oh, what, like now, because I feel like Netflix has made this thing such a bigger uh, yeah. thing, but it's like, uh, now they're like, oh my God, how nervous were you like jumping into this? I was like, oh, when I got in there, nobody, nobody was watching the show. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was getting canceled every year. <laughs> we literally like, got canceled every year. Yeah. Every single year, the mic would be like, yeah, we're like, we're giving an ending where it could kind of get, you know, like we have no idea. Everybody, and so like, <laughs> yes. it was never like, it was never like, oh my goodness, like, oh, even, even when we were rolling and it was like, you know, where people liked us we still nobody was watching like every year there's a chance if it was it wasn't gonna get picked up so um i i, I remember i remember someone asked me that i was like oh it was like i was i was uh, a little nervous for the first one just to figure it out and then like i'm surrounded by people i've seen like i was an intern for ucb for ASCAT, so i saw amy every sunday yep. doing the garbage and recycling for ucb when i first met her aubrey was uh, was younger than me at ucb when we were coming up katie i improvise with katie still she does my improv show anytime i do it at largo it's like so I knew all these people and Aziz I knew. So I knew all these people coming into it. So it felt like, it just felt like hanging out with my friends. And then the more we did it, and as you guys kept going, the the, the stories get a little bit more surreal in a way. And all of a sudden it feels like a UCB type experience too, where we're just like going there and having fun. And it was one of my favorite things in the universe to do because it felt like I was just hanging out with my friends. And then even beyond that, it was like, yeah, you could take some risks too. Like, you'll have time to, we're going to do it as is, and then there'll be, I forget, fun run, you guys would call it. It's like, all right, now do whatever you want. And then, like, it was just so much fun and so freeing, and it was so quick. Sometimes I would film, like, 
uh, undercovers in the morning, come to you guys for like two hours, and then go back to undercovers. For <laughs> it was just like you guys moved so quick, and you lit the room, so it wasn't like lighting the face like all my other shows that I do. So it was like so freeing, and like you were on camera on every take, so it wasn't yes. like so nobody was saving shit for like another take. We were all just going for it, so everybody was a hundred percent. Everybody was going for it, and everybody was so locked into what they would do with their character in that moment that if you give them the right words, which you guys every time it was like kind of let us fly a little bit and it was it was the i mean that show was i remember uh there was a season where you were people were like it was time for like renegotiations and stuff like that not for me i i was like a guest nothing nobody cared. i took literally whatever <laughs> there was whatever. your agent was like take whatever they'll get your same yeah, agent passed yeah. on it you know take whatever take the minimum <laughs> to be fair, it was never can, can my, you make less it was I never know, my agent it I'm was an assistant that was whatever yeah uh, i love my agent uh, but uh, so um, but I remember someone was like, it was like renegotiations. And I remember Offerman pulling someone aside and being like, we are so lucky. Do you know how lucky we are right now? We all like each other. We're making great. Like, it was such a beautiful speech that I got to be around when he was talking about it. And it's, this is a gentleman who's been around for a long time and um, has had opportunities, but never like he was Ron Swanson, which is one of the best characters on television. Um, and so I loved hearing that. He's like, we're just so lucky. We're so lucky that we get to be a part of this this does not happen often you know what i mean um but it was it was just it was just uh the best i had the best memories about that yeah. show. M- making something good with people you like right i mean there's like that that's that's the that's the dream man that's the dream it was like and i remember so even watching in this show it's like we were talking about building characters like in this episode we start to learn who Donna really is. Like Don, we were building. We're, yeah, we're just learning way. about Jean Ralphio. We're learning about Donna because there's that scene you do with her, and it's you know it's just so funny when she turns against you. But you know, <laughs> and so then at the end of the end of the episode, she 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 reveals she's bought you know three shares or whatever. She's like she's improbably wealthy, which I love. But do you remember shooting that scene? I mean, that's that has a lot. That's the flush with cash scene. But uh, I man, do. It, it's yeah. I do remember shooting that scene. I remember trying to make. I remember something that I started to do. Uh, as we went on is like, I try to make the person next to me laugh. Like uh, that would, that was like, cause I feel like when you could see someone like, and like, if you get Offerman to laugh, he like laughs like a little baby <laughs> yeah. and he's like mustache moves. Cause he yeah. doesn't want to laugh. And he's so like air like seeps through his like tightly, his lips are so tight. But like, I used to love trying to make people laugh. And so for Retta, I was like, we did that scene a couple times and then I started playing with it and getting like way, and this is still like when John Raphael was kind of more of like a douche guy and like slowly didn't, hasn't loosened up a little bit. But this is like the first scene where you start to see him like loosen. And um, I did it a couple different ways and I just kept trying to make her laugh, like adding more shit. Um, and it was the best. That scene was so fun. And that was like when I started to be like, oh, we could play a little bit too. Because the first yeah. first uh, episode I did, it was just like, don't get fired. Just get through this and hopefully <laughs> they'll let you do it again. Yeah. And then like, they're like, oh, no, no, they like what you're doing. Keep doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's a gag reel scene. I think you make, la- I think you eventually make Red a laugh, right? I think there's, we cut together. You know, we do a gag reel at the, the rap party every yeah. year. And I think we may have cut together you improvising and adding on and on and on and finally Retta breaking. I mean, you would, Aziz would laugh too. By the way, Aziz would break all the time. Aziz yes. Like, <laughs> it was fun to get Aziz to break. Yeah. I mean, it was, was the best. <laughs> Making anybody laugh was just the, be- it was just the, it was just the best. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. also so fun to be a guest star because I get to just come in and like zap zap a quick scene and leave. And I'm like fresh and can't wait. I'm so excited yeah, to right, be there. Right. You know what I mean? And you guys have been filming every day, you know, many hours a day. And I get in there being like, hi, how are you? How was every day? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's a very and- fun thing to just come in there, get a very silly scene in uh, and then leave. I remember anytime it was over, I'd be like, oh, I got to leave? Yeah. It's such like a bummer part. That's that's also what people don't realize is like if you're number one on the call sheet like on a show like you're just shooting so much right you're shooting so much and then as you go down it's like sometimes it's nice to be a guest star or it's nice to be number six on the call sheet and I mean, like you know shoot your days out and, and not be there all the time but yeah I was you know Amy was always putting in the hours on the show they both have their things I mean I my version of John Ralphio was when I got when I got to play Eddie Nero on Californication and it was mm. it's very similar it was like a big swing character like that character could do no wrong in the sense that there wasn't anything too big the character was a cartoon it was basically a cartoon and i got to waltz in crush have fun do whatever everybody was excited to see the character come back and then i'm gone and then duchovny is there 16 hours a day for 17 years (laughs) yes it's the it's so fun it's a, it's a, it's like an incredibly, it's just lucky. It's just a very lucky, lucky thing. And I'm always impressed. Like whenever I'm in a show where I got heavy lifting or I'm, uh, you know, I'm one or two in the call sheet for a movie or something like that, then it's like, it's like, I'm always impressed when an actor comes because there's something else to it where it's hard to come in. I remember I did this movie, with Billy Crystal, and I'm in there every day of the shoot and we had an actress and she only had like two days or three days. And her first scene was, in a live mall that was actually working and it was a one shot up an escalator where we had this huge conversation. And I was like, it's so unfair because I've had 13 days to get loose and great. And I've worked every day and I'm in a rhythm now and I know my character inside and out and da da da. And this is her first day and she has to figure out what she's doing. And there's a live mall going on. Yep. Uh, her name was Eloise and she crushed it. But I was like, you really have a respect for guest stars that can come in there and crush because yep. you got to remember, oftentimes it's just someone coming in, not knowing anything anybody having not really knowing what their character is not knowing where they belong in the group of everybody is but parks pick the best guest. if you think about the guest stars on parks it's insane insane it's insane it's insane and even like purred happily who's one of my oh. favorite actors in the entire <laughs> show yes or like mo collins who crushes and then like it's yeah. just and paul rutt like you there's so many incredible people and every you guys put us all in a place the writers and the actors and mike put us in a place where you just felt comfortable immediately so you didn't have to deal with the being nervous part you were just ready to have fun immediately yep you like to watch new stuff right well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. We should do a, a town hall while we have Ben. Let's do it. Wait, is it a town hall or is it a town howl? This will be a town hall, I think, because it's not an audio one. But, you know, we usually pick a location for the town hall. I think because uh, because Ben's here, let's do it at uh, the Entertainment 720 headquarters. Oh, let's for do sure. it in that weird, wide open white space that Roy Hibbert and Detlef Schrempf came to. Oh, my God. Roy Hibbert's we... <laughs> favorite day of his life, he tells me. <laughs> Yes. And he has like he has like two kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, talking to Roy about TV was was uh he, he you wouldn't believe the shows he had. He's like, You ever seen Squid Billies? Like he was like an adult swim fan. <laughs> it was very like that was Roy Heber, one of the Indiana Wait, Pacers, what's the town hall? Oh, can I also say the uh, you know every night you're talking about that gag reel? There's one time where I was just on set and sometimes Mike would do this where there was a town hall, like that's what it is, right? The town hall where everybody yeah. like speaks. Yep. Yeah. And so like uh they go, What about you go go up there and just start complaining? complaining about whatever and i did it and it was so f- i never made the episode it was so fun and then they kept the camera on me when i was leaving so i kept trying to leave but i picked the role that chris pratt was in and i just the whole for like no joke like 120 seconds which is so long i tried to get around him and i would not leave like i kept the he kept was in my way and i just <laughs> tried to get him and i just made him laugh and it was like my favorite thing and i wish that it exists somewhere but never found it wait can we summon John Raphael? <laughs> sure. What is what does he want to say? He just wants to say, um, "Do you want to go to the town hall? I think you do." Okay. Here we go. Do you want to go to the town hall? I think you do. All right, we're doing great, guys. Rob, Rob's gonna have you recording drops all night. <laughs> all night. But that that has to be, guys, that has to be a soundboard thing that, that, that we drop in as needed. We now own that. We now own that, Schwartz. <laughs> we, we now own that. All right, so what is this town hall? What happens here? Town hall is a question from a listener. Oh, great. Question from a listener. So we'll get right into it. The, the town hall question comes to us from Amber, and just as Amber from SoCal. So very broad range. Maybe she lives all over Southern California. <laughs> the question is, was there ever an idea to create a bigger posse for Tom? John Ralphie was great, but were there additional strange characters that got cut? Mm. Uh, good question, Amber. Um, I think the shortest answer is no, not really. I think what we ended up doing is expanding John Ralphio's posse. So John Ralphio, <laughs> so Tom didn't get a posse. We we're like, we like John Ralphio. Like we, you know, we, you know, I, you know. Obviously, we gave him uh, Henry Winkler, his dad, and and also uh, Jenny Slate playing Mona Lisa. Um, I, I would also like to pivot from that to just favorite John Ralphio moments. Um, like I, one of my favorites, I don't know if you remember this one, uh, Schwartz, but it, it's basically like you apply for a job at this accounting place, I think. And oh, yeah. you, you come in, you do the interview and you get rejected all in one shot. It was one take basically. So it's the, the tag of an episode and it's something like you interview, it goes really poorly and you're like, oh, I didn't get it. Yeah. makes sense. Bye. It's like, I don't know if you remember shooting that it really made me laugh. It was my, one of my favorite things. Cause I exit the same way that I, I literally exit the same door I entered which yes. was I thought such a funny specific where like 
I enter. And by the way, t- I remember that scene because the woman is a guest star. She was great. She was right in front of me. And I literally uh, do, I go through the entire office and I, I don't think I ever stop talking. And I talk at the beginning and everything's positive And I talk so much that he clearly knows he's made a mistake. And I remember we had to get it and the timing had to be perfect where I end my last sentence right before I get to the door. So like sometimes I would have to like, like rush like the 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 other people to like move a little bit quicker and so the, <laughs> yeah. the timing of that was so difficult but yes. i love a one shot also because i love how real it all feels i remember that um, but that I, was a great I, moment and it was one of the first times ever that mike sure texted me and asked what i said in a scene years later i don't know if you remember this al but mike called me uh or he or something and he's like hey what do you say uh i i, I he thought i said like uh like dime or something like that. I say I say DS like she's a like she's a ten, but I say it in <laughs> okay. Spanish and nobody understood what I was saying. And I was right. like, I said DS, and he's like, "What did you do? What happened there?" And I said DS ten. He goes like, "Oh yeah, of course." This also reminds me of the time where I've been doing the show a little bit and people started to really like my character. And I would have done Parks every up, you know, like and I and Undercovers just ended and House of Lies hadn't started yet. I hadn't gotten it yet, so there's a chance I could have jumped on the show. And then someone had asked him like. Uh, what about like like John Ralphio having a spinoff or John Ralphio like and he goes I don't think anybody wants to see I don't think anybody could take more of like 10 minutes of John <laughs> and I was like he's right he's like what would happen it would just be it was, was there ever any conversation of making me a full time member or just it would make no sense I think it was I think it was what you said which is like we love it in the in the time we have allotted in the show yes. but we're afraid it's almost like too much power yes. too much power concentrated it's like a nuclear too much weapon. comedy power yeah exactly right it, with what it has to be wisely used yeah. so yeah it's like a heavy dosage medication um, like an upper or something it would just be but, too yeah. much the way he explained it was so funny he's like you couldn't take it's too much you couldn't, you couldn't take, take it, for like, it if you had a spinoff what are you gonna follow? Like, what? What? How are you gonna follow it? There's no With, straight man. Yeah, exactly. You'd also like have to make it more normal. No one wants that. No, no one yeah. wants that. <laughs> no. Jean Ralphio's sad. Jean Ralphio, like, <laughs> oh, it's like I'm not getting along with that brother or whatever. There it is, is one line I snuck yeah. in that some people yeah. noticed that when uh, Rob, you were you must have been there. Um, we're in it. We're leaving the Snake Hole Lounge. Everybody's hammered off of that drink, yeah. off of that. Yes, thank um, you. Yes. Oh, you definitely were in there because I remember in that scene. I had a scene with you, and then I, I think Amy directed it, or Amy wrote it, and I asked her, I said, hey, can I, can I make up a rhyme about Rob? Like, because he's the only person we didn't make up a rhyme about. What about if I just, and she goes, yeah, definitely, go for it. I forget if it was Dean or Amy, but I remember someone gave me the go-ahead. So that's like the, the, boss, the boss man thing, that rapper there. But at the very end of it, we're all in a car, smashing a car, yes. and Jim is on the roof, that's tied right. up on the roof. And so the whole beat is like, and I forget if it was a mic pitch or I made it up or what happened, but we're there and everybody like, there's a big fart joke or some joke and everybody laughs. And the last thing I say right when it gets quiet is I'm so alone. Yes. <laughs> it's you saying that. It's just an earnest moment of jean Ralphio, yes. just not a joke, yes. just saying I'm so alone. And then it ends. Very few people caught it. Yes. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it was written. I, I, I mean, uh, Greg Levine would be able to know that somehow. But I, it was I, like uh, it was. I remember thinking that was so funny that in this moment he's with everybody, 
and everybody's drunk and for the first time people are like accepting him and so he literally got so drunk that he that he says like I'm so alone so and no and nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I, I remember I, thinking I, that would be so funny. Um I don't know if we did it once or twice but I, I remember it. I remember it. I remember when you did it cuz it would make oh, me laugh. Nice. <laughs> I didn't obviously I didn't laugh as Chris but maybe Rob the actor laugh and I I'm almost certain you did it once and it was an improv and it made it in. <laughs> It was fucking so I had, odd I had very and great. little video from Parks and Rec, very little, but I have a video of all of us in the car singing together, and I like pan around the whole thing, and it's like one of the coolest videos of all Didn't time. Didn't we sing a like, song? Weren't we singing? Yes, s- we did. Yeah, we, we sang did. some we were just, song, some pop, some, you know, one of the, it was, it was an Aziz special, some song I'd never heard of. That he knew it of. was <laughs> the best. That show was, I mean, it's the best. You look back on some of the jobs, I mean, like, Rob, your career has been pretty remarkable. It's like... I'm sure you look back at some jobs and you're just like, "Fuck, man, we were so so lucky." lucky. Yep. One one yep. one tangent that make that is interesting. Um, so I was on the show for four seasons. By in the middle of the fourth season, we sh- always shot on the same soundstage, same stage at the Parks and Rec department. Never left, other than when we left, but we're there all the time. We shot the scene you're talking about in the car, in the basement. Apparently, there was. Turns out there was an entire soundstage below our soundstage that I never knew existed. And while we were shooting there, they shot an entire season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia below (laughs) us. And I never knew. I have shots of me dressed as John Ralphio at that bar and I sent him to Glenn uh, from Sunny and he's like what the fuck is going on? How are you on our sets? Uh, It was great. They were literally below us. Every yeah, day, we never saw them. I don't know what went on. And then, by the way, when we went, that was that set. I'm convinced. I'm convinced they're going to have a class action lawsuit one day for I don't know what's going on. That was the like moldiest, gnarliest, <laughs> most depressing <laughs> oh, set ever. And I was only on it for eight hours with you doing that car scene. Woof. <laughs> Did we do that in a set? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was a poor man's process. One hundred percent. Wow. Was a set. Wow. Yeah. Um. This is great. I don't know what more uh, anybody could ask for. I don't know what more I could ask for. This was. Fit. Will you come back for for more fun and hijinks when we when when you have time? Of course, this is super fun. I, it's also I got to learn stuff I never knew. I never yes. we it was. Oh, there's one other fact that I never got to do a table read. I what? don't know why. Oh, was that wow. a, was that a purpose thing, Alan, or no? Uh, we didn't generally have that many guest stars do table reads, so maybe oh, okay. it was just that. It's pr- pretty simple, yeah, because I think it was an extra, I don't know, because I, I don't think like, Rudd ever it, did For sure it was a cost thing. For sure, it was. <laughs> cost thing. Morgan Sackett being like, no. <laughs> Harris always played it. John Ralphio is what I was, Harris was told. Harris played John Ralphio I've never, table. so I never, right. I'd never been to a table read for Parks. Wow. And the first time I ever did any of the words was when the cameras were rolling, and that was it. I didn't realize that. I was one of them to record the West Wing table reads, which which played like radio shows. They were like very, very serious and like everybody gate brought their A game <laughs> and the Parks ones were the only other ones because they were as funny, sometimes funnier than the shows. And and I just wish how how is that not like I would buy that. I would buy I would download yeah. the table reads of that show we in two filmed seconds. Them. Yeah, we should have filmed them. Oh, it's amazing. I never that, got like, to see it. I always wanted to. In a to. day when they monetize everything and squeeze every dollar out of everybody, the, the fact that no one's ever figured that out is a mind blower to me. Oh, anyway, well. this episode by MeUndies. MeUndies. For- <laughs> <laughs> there Squeezing you go. a dollar out of anything. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming to Pawnee Parks and Recollection. It's me, uh, Rolo, um, signing off with Alan Yang. And uh, wait, I think John Raffio needs to sign off. <laughs>
Robin <laughs> Allen. Parks and Recollection. <laughs> there you go. Thank you to Ben Schwartz. That's so good. It's good to talk to you guys. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on, Ben. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks, Producer Schulte. Thanks to Greg. And uh, goodbye for Punny. Bye. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.